0: Welcome to New Sound Church's weekly podcast. We are a church located in Palm Beach County, Florida, and we are so glad that you're listening to this week's message from our pastor, Pastor Josh Mott. For more information about New Sound Church, you can visit our website at www.newsound.church and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Well, good morning and welcome to New Sound. If you're checking us out, maybe for the first time, a special welcome to you. My name is Josh Mawney, and I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm glad you're here. You look good. You look way better than that 930 crowd. Way better, because you're more rested. You're more rested. We're glad you're here. We're in the second week of a series that we're calling Home Improvement, and I can't wait to get into into God's Word. So before we do that, I'd love it if you'd let me pray uh, for you. Father, we come to you today, we thank you for the opportunity to... uh, to worship you and to hear your word. Holy Spirit, would you speak today? Um, we need to hear from you. We want to hear from you. And um, so hide this preacher and show yourself. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are ready for change. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, hey, welcome again to New Sound. And and we're, we're glad you're here. We've got all kinds of fun, exciting things happening right now in the life of the church. And and one thing that if you're kind of new this summer and you've been kind of checking us out and thinking about getting connected, trying to figure out, I know sometimes it's hard to kind of take the step from, hey, I'm like brand new sitting in this room with all these folks that I don't know, to go from there to, um, you know, like in a small group or on a team or something. So we're doing a thing in a, in a, in a week on the 25th, it's Sunday night. It's just called New to New Sound. And it's just, we're just throwing a little party. We're just gonna have a little party and we want to invite you to come check it out. Um, if you're new and, um, and you just kind of want to meet some folks, I, I, obviously I'll, I'll be there and I want to meet you and I want to meet your family and, and uh, I want to introduce you to some of our staff and our team and just, just to get to know you, try to help bridge the gap a little bit from the crowd to uh, hopefully what we really want for you is some relationships in here that can mean something. Uh, for you, so if you're not getting any of that communication, we send that information out. We we typically do that on an email, and it comes out on Friday. And so if you go, man, I'm never getting the email. It's just because we don't have good contact info for you. And the best way to let us know that is on the connection card that you got when you came in, and that's a safe card to fill out. Nobody's going to come to your house or do anything weird. Uh, we'll send you a letter and just say thank you for coming to church. But then we send an email every week to let you know what's going on in the life of the church, so that you can keep up to speed on what's happening and the things that we're excited, excited about and the things that we're celebrating. So, um, if you're not getting any of that info, it's probably for one of two reasons. Either you haven't filled out a connection card or you did. Um, and, um, and your handwriting is a lot like mine. And so just take the card, hand it to your wife, let her fill it out so that we can actually read your email address so that there's hope. So anyway, we got, um, I got a lot I want to talk to you about. So the, the verse, maybe if I could have like a theme verse for the series, it's out of Jeremiah uh, chapter six, and it says, stand at the crossroads and look. And I want to pause right there for just a second and say, listen, we're all at a crossroads every day. So we get up in the morning and we're at a crossroads. It's either I'm going to do this God's way or I'm going to do it uh, my way or the world's way. Uh, In in every relationship, in your family, in your marriage, and you're raising kids, just all of that. He says, stand at the crossroads. So every morning when your feet hit the ground, whether you want to or not, you're at a crossroads. But then he says, ask for the ancient paths. So we don't need a new self-help book. We don't need a new blog to read. He said, actually look to what's already been said about how to live your life. It's already been written down. So he said, ask where the good way is. Now here's the trick, walk in it, actually do it. And he says, and this is what I want for everybody in this church, everybody in the world. I just want this. He said, then you're gonna find rest for your souls. So in this series, Home Improvement, we've actually made the decision... To kind of go back and, and, and look at a set of rules that came down thousands of years ago that we believe that if we began to live those out in the way that God had for us at the time, I, I think it would change everything. I mean, I think it's the genius of God that before the internet, before social media, before busy jobs, before long commutes, before I-95, before all these things that would rob us of God's best for our life, um, He set out this little set of rules that if we would live them out, it would change everything. Now, some of us might say, well, yeah, but didn't the whole like um, Jesus thing, like we got rid of the rules thing, right? Like, so now it's just like, all you got to, if you do something stupid, all you got to kind of do is like, look at Jesus and say, hey, uh, with all due respect. And then it's like, good, then you're good. And uh, he hits the reset button and you're good. Yes and no. Yes, there is grace. and, and, And I think God can forgive us of all of our mess and all of our junk. But Jesus actually said himself, look, I didn't come to get rid of the rules. I didn't come to get rid of the rules. That's not my game here. He said, in fact, I didn't come to abolish the rules. I came to fulfill them so that you could actually see that you can actually live these out. And he said, these rules, none of these rules, God's not going to get rid of any of these rules until there's a new heaven and a new earth. So until then, this is, these are the rules and this is what we ought to be living by. And I think that in the genius of God, thousands of years ago, before all these distractions, if we could live out a few of these rules, I think it would change your family. I think it would change your life forever. We're trying it. I get it right on some days and wrong on some days. Last week, we talked about really the first rule. We kind of went through rule one and two last week. And he says, listen, honor God, put him first and don't worship any other image. We said sometimes it's a little easier than we might think to worship some of the things around us. And we talked about that, just how to put God first. In our life. But this week, I actually want to kind of look at something that it's probably one of those of the commandments. We kind of think, Whoo, man, I'm doing good on this one. And we may be doing worse than we think because we really don't understand what it means. In Exodus 20, in the seventh verse, we kind of get this third rule as we're heading down the list of rules. And he says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Misuse it. And he says, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So that then begs the question, so what's, what's in a name? What's, a, what's, a, what's the big deal about a name? I was coming, uh, I was doing some research, getting ready for this weekend, and I came across an obituary from 1803, from 1803, and the name on the top of the obituary was Return Jonathan Meigs. That was his name. First name Return, second name Jonathan, last name Meigs, Return Jonathan Meigs. And I was like, I've got to read this obituary. And I start reading this thing and it says that his father, the the father of Return, Jonathan Meigs, uh, when he was a young man became enamored with a Quakeress. So this is a Quaker woman. Though he was repeatedly rejected, He persisted in his suit. He was trying to suit her. He was trying to court her and she kept rejecting him. She must've been, he he must've been one homely dude for a Quaker woman to keep turning him down. (laughs) But on his last visit, as he was slowly, as he slowly mounted his horse to ride away dejected, the lady relented and she beckoned to him to stop crying out, return Jonathan, return Jonathan. And these words, which gave him so much happiness, he gave as a name to his firstborn son. Now, she, he better be glad, that, that boy better be glad it, she didn't say, hey boy, get on back here. Hey, hey man, hey man Meeks. That would have not been a good name. So there's power in names. So for some of you, you've got a name that you're trying to protect. And for some of us, we've got a name that we're trying to run from but there's power in names and there's power actually in the name of God. As he hands out this original commandment, when it talks about misusing, if you go and kind of study throughout the old covenant, there's several things that it would imply. One of the first is do not curse the name of God. So don't curse the name of God. And you actually kind of find that in Leviticus 24. And here's the reality. There are 600 Thousand, a little over 600,000 words in the English language. There's a few that we've been asked not to say. And I think that God has a problem with take, when we take this thing that was supposed to be treated as holy and reverent, and when we kind of misuse it or we throw it out flippantly in a text message as we write, OMG, the reality is that's just a shortened version of a misuse of. The name of God. In fact, in the Old Covenant, traditional Jewish men and women didn't even believe they had the right to say the name of God. In fact, the word Jehovah is actually a derivation of the original Yahweh. It was a change from that word so that they wouldn't ever even accidentally say the word of God, the name of God, the name that was to be above every other name. They didn't want it even coming out of their mouth. In fact, sometimes when I get an email from time to time or a message online or something from somebody who was raised in the Jewish faith, even as they write God, it is very common for me to read their emails and see G asterisk D. They don't even feel the right to write out the name of God. They're just, that it's too holy. That name should be treated Um, with too much reverence, and yet we kind of misuse it. Oh God, what are we going to do today? And he says, don't do that. Don't misuse it because your words have power and your words direct your thought life and your words direct your actions in this life. And so when you treat the name of God as common and ordinary, it won't be long before you begin to treat God as common and ordinary. So if you want to protect your family, if you want to lead your family well, we got to get out of using some of those things. There are 600,000 words in the English language. Use a different one to talk about your feelings. It would go on to, to, you would go on to understand in, in Leviticus 19 that we don't swear on God's name or, more, or make promises that you can't or won't keep. He says, don't bring my name into it. I didn't ask you to agree to that. I swear. I swear. I mean, you heard that? I swear to God, I have not. A hundred percent of the time, you're lying. (laughs) And he says, don't bring my name into it. See, my name is a name that's above every other name. And you're trying to get a pass on a bad behavior by looping me in and trying to borrow my credit for your problem. He says, don't don't misuse it. And then he goes on in the 22nd uh, chapter of Leviticus to to help us understand the meaning of that was don't misuse holy things. We're just not to misuse holy things. His name is holy and we have to protect it. But the reality is it's hard for us to understand the value of a name because we don't think that way. We don't see the world that way. We don't understand it in that that same way. Uh, in that same way. But in Exodus three, Moses is kind of beginning his public ministry. And he's at this point, he's been a, he's been a, a goat herder on the backside of the desert. I mean, I mean, in fact, he didn't even own his own sheep. They were borrowed sheep. There was his father in laws sheep. The only thing worse in the world than I think than being like some kind of sheep herder, goat herder on the backside of the desert where nobody knew you is to then be doing it with borrowed sheep. Like he was just like a lease-to-own sheep situation that he had found himself in. And, and now he's on the backside of the desert and God shows up and this guy with a stutter that had taken somebody's life, that had done a lot of horrible things, Moses says to God, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say, well, what's his name then? Like that was gonna prove it. It was like the moment where Peter's on the boat and Jesus is walking out and he goes, well, God, if that's really you, say it. And then I'll come out there. And he was like, all right, it's me. I was like, oh, that's all I needed. This is weird. He says, so what's his name? What shall I tell them? And then God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now I am, you're like, that doesn't mean I am who I am. But the reality is uh, what he actually said was the Hebrew word hayah, hayah. He actually says, it actually, in your Bible, it actually says hayah, hayah. I am who I am. And hayah means to be. I have been. I've caused all to be. Like I, I've, I've been being. I'm being. I'm going to keep being. <laughs> right? I've been being. What you've been doing? I've been being from the beginning. Hayah. So he's saying, like, you tell them that the one that caused everything, the one that's in everything, the one that's going to be here after everything they know is gone, you tell them that that is the one that sent you. And then sometime later in Exodus 33, Moses said, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I'm going to proclaim my name. He said... If you're going to understand how big I am, you're going to need to know my name. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. See, your name's important. Names are important. What you call yourself, how you speak about God, how you understand God, it just, it matters. A name, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Um, If you're not taking notes, write this down. A name communicates position. So it, it that happens here, right? Sir, ma'am, right? Uh, we, we do that all the time. I, t- I told a, a gal one time she was coming over to watch our kids and we've got four kids, 974 and two. And um I don't really even like kids. My wife's just super hot. So, um, <laughs> just do the math on that. So, um so but a uh, uh, this little gal, she goes, hey, you don't have to call me ma'am. She's like, oh, "Oh, you know, I'm not that old. Well, I'm like, well, it's not about age. It's about hierarchy. It's not about age. It's about hierarchy. And so if you're saying to me now that you're on the same emotional and intellectual level as my two-year-old, then by all means, let's remove ma'am from the conversation and you can get on the floor and play with Play-Doh with them. Um, But if there is a hierarchy, if there's a difference in position, then let's make sure the name fits the position. And so a name communicates position. In fact, in Matthew 6, when they came and said, how do we even pray to God? How do we even go to God? It says, this then is how we should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your name should be what I start my prayer with because it's only in understanding who you are and your name that is above all names. It's only in understanding that, that I even know what I can ask you for. So we're going to start with hallowed be thy name. I think if you're raising a family, if you're looking for a family, if you are married, if you're raising babies, like what, whatever season of life that you're in, I think you need to be asking yourself, like, what's in a name? What does your name mean? And I don't think you can understand what your name means if you do not understand what his means. A name communicates position. One of the first names that we get of God in your Old Testament is this name, El Shaddai. And El Shaddai, El, El is the part of God that makes him almighty. But Shaddai was this explanation of God, actually the literal and not to be, but the literal interpretation was breast. And what it was meant to imply was El, the most powerful nurturer in the whole world. El has the power to move. Shaddai is the compassion to do it. El Shaddai. Adonai meant Lord and Master. We see that used throughout to try to help understand. He is our boss. That is is his position and it is right to claim it. We see him called Yahweh. Yahweh, in fact, um, this name we don't even know because the Hebrew uh, language did not have vowels we're just guessing and we're all kind of agreeing that this is how you would even say it but we don't even know because they wouldn't say it but Yahweh this was his position it was it was Lord Jehovah it communicated position but a name also communicates power That he's not just big and he's not just over us. He's over us and he actually has the right to be because he is so powerful. He gets this name we find in scripture, Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. He'll go before me. Jehovah Rapha. The Lord heals. The God is a healer of your souls and your bodies. And I believe that Those miracles didn't just dry up all of a sudden. I believe that God still heals and he wants to do that. He has that power. Elohim, God. It was the first name. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. It was God. In fact, to understand it, this is the relationship that God wants to have with you. On the business card, if God gave you a business card today, on the front, it would say Elohim, uh, creator of the whole universe. But then on the back when he wanted to give you his cell phone number and it was like, hey, call me. I want you to have my cell phone number. He'd write Yahweh. So Elohim is this like, God, you are master and creator of all things and Yahweh wants to know me. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. In this church, I'm just gonna tell you, um, we're sold out to the idea we trust in the provider, not the provision. Like we just, we know that God's got our back, we're gonna try to handle his stuff his way, but we trust in him. For what we have. But then I love this, a name communicates closeness too. A name communicates closeness. He was called Jehovah-Ra, which meant the Lord is my shepherd. And shepherds love the sheep, even when sometimes the sheep get rabid and get a taste for shepherd. He said, I love you. I want to be close to you. And And his word says, my sheep know my voice. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Hey, listen, I want, you to, I want to encourage you in this, that the Lord actually um, doesn't just stay here uh, when service is done. Like it's a whole thing. He's gonna go home with you too. And he's gonna go to work with you and he's gonna go to school with you. And I think one of the areas where as we're leading our family, one of the things that confuses our children is when they see a compartmentalized version of Jesus that's hard for them to get their mind around. That we have this life where we say that we believe that God created the heavens and the earth. He is Elohim and he is Yahweh. He wants a relationship with you. But somehow once I leave here, I can do what I want, say what I want and act how I want. Because we forget that he is Jehovah Shammah, he will be everywhere that we go after we leave the service today. But I wanna comfort you in this, he's also Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is my peace. He wants to bring you peace, he wants to bring you rest. If you are finding yourself as you're pursuing God, um, stressed and confused and condemned, I need you to know that's not from him. In fact, can I say it in this way? Um, God never disappoints. That's not his job. God appoints. The devil disappoints. God has an appointment for your life. He has an appointment for your family. He has an appointment for your call and your gifts and your strengths. And the devil's been trying to diss that since the day that you were born. He is always trying to distract and confuse and discourage. God appoints. That's his job, but he doesn't disappoint. So, you need to understand God's name, his name literally means covenant. His name means a promise that I'm gonna keep with you, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. So, God's name means covenant. And some of us believe that we've done too many dumb things, we've made too many mistakes, or like, hey, I used to serve God. Like, I, man, Josh, I really did. Like, I used to serve, and man, I would pray. And I'd read my Bible and man, I'd spend daily time with him, but man, I kind of lost my way a little bit and I've kind of been living, kind of doing things my way. And I just don't know if he even wants to hang around me anymore. Well, here's the deal. You were never that good to begin with. If you're in here struggling today with the idea that God could ever give you a second chance, I would like to remind you that you never deserved the first one. He's a covenant God. He loves you and he's not looking for ways to end the relationship. God's name means power. God's name means power. He wants, he wants you to bring your life to him because he's actually big enough and strong enough and powerful enough to take care of it. His name means power. And I love this. God's name means love. It is love. He wants to be close to you. Now, I have a son and I have three little girls. And um, my son, you know, he's, he's, he's awesome. And if you, if, you're, if you know me, like, you know, I love nicknames. I love nicknames. I just, I don't know, maybe it's a Southern thing. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what it is. I just love a nickname. If you're friends with me over time, you're going to get a nickname. It just, it just happens. And my kids, they all have nicknames. And then they all now call each other by their nicknames and then now their friends refer to them as their nicknames. So like in my house, it's not like if you say, hey, where's the dude? You're looking for Jake. Have you seen Beezy? You're looking for Annabelle. If you're looking for Roro, you're looking for Vivian. Figure that out. I mean, in my house, we love nicknames. If I call for Bug, I'm looking for Lillian. We love nicknames because to me, it... There's there's a difference in a name that communicates some closeness. Now, my son, he can call me whatever he wants to, but those little girls, they know this. Until the day they die, if they want anything from me, they better say daddy. The other day, we were in the pool, we were swimming, and my little Annabelle, that is my four-year-old, she is CEO material. She is going to run the world. Um, And I know that because not only is she strong-willed, she's also manipulative and incredibly smart, and she plays me like a fiddle. So... And even when I know I'm being played, I can't seem to stop it. And I'm in the pool, and I've got my back to her, and she goes, Dad, I want you to spin me around. They know in my house, if you say, Dad, I'm not even turning around. I will not acknowledge your existence. And she went, can you spin me around, Daddy? (laughs) And for the next two hours, just... I'm so tired. She's like, but this is the greatest day of my life, Daddy. And I'm like, I know. (laughs) See, Father communicates position. I am. I am the Father. I did my part. (laughs) Dad communicates power. But Daddy, that's the closeness. And you see these names of God and, and you're trying to understand what God actually wants in, in for you and, and what he wants to do in your life. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to understand this relationship. But Jesus in Mark chapter 14, he, he introduces a new name for God. And he says, Abba, which is Daddy, Father, all things are possible for you. He was on his way to the cross to pay for my sins and yours. And he says, Take this cup from me. Daddy, I don't want to do this. I feel like this is going to hurt. But he said, Nevertheless, Not what I want in this situation. What you want. It's going to be done. In Islam, there are 99 names for Allah. Not one of them is Father. That Jesus models for us in this moment that He wants a closeness between you and His Father that He experienced. But if if you're like me, sometimes that's hard for you to get your mind around. In fact, I would say that for some of you, you have kept God at arm's length because you can't understand this idea of a heavenly father because you've been hurt by an earthly one. I've shared before. I went off to to school. I actually got to uh, play a little football in college, and I went to I went to the United States Air Force Academy. And the year I got in, it was harder to get in to than Harvard. And um, they rejected a hundred kids for every one kid they took, and because your grades had to be great, and you're, you had to be athletic, you had to have leadership. Stuff And you had to just, it was just, it was tough. It was tough. You guys know that. I've actually shared that uh, with you before. Um, And I've shared with you that, you know, when I was young, my my parents split up and uh, my father actually moved to the other side of the country and we didn't have a relationship. And I was stuck at home with a mom that uh, beat me all the time and said things over me that I, I can't I won't even tell you the stories. And I was so broken as a 17-year-old kid leaving high school to go out and chase down the world that I. If you were to search for a cadet named Josh Mawney at the United States Air Force Academy, none will be found. Because when I left. Home, I changed my name. I was so ashamed of my name. My name meant rejection. My name meant abandonment. My name meant selfishness. My name meant take care of number one no matter what happens to anybody else. And I didn't want to carry that into this great new future that I had planned for me. And I took on a new name. In my third year, I collided with another player. I have a a nice titanium jawbone from here back to here and no feeling in the bottom part of my face. And I ended up in Birmingham, Alabama, going to school and with a different name. And I had this neighbor invite me to church and I went and this sermon was talking about this heavenly father that was this covenant God that would not leave you and he wouldn't forsake you. And he didn't care if the world said I was a loser, that he actually thought I was worth dying for. And I sat there in the back of a high school auditorium, a lot like this one, bawling my eyes out. And I left, and the part of the story that you don't know is that I went on that Monday morning down to the courthouse. And I filled out the paperwork, and I took that name back. And I said, if this is real, then this name is going to mean something from now on. From now on, it's going to mean redemption. It's going to mean a dad that stayed when it's easier to leave. It's going to mean fighting for your marriage. It's going to mean telling the world about Jesus. This name is going to be a generational name now. That it used to mean alcoholism and divorce and broken families. And from now on, it's going to mean hope and power. It's not going to mean that we're perfect. But see, these monies that I'm raising, they're different. They're different than any money that's ever walked the planet because they know who their father is. They don't just know their father, they know their dad. And they don't just know their dad, they know who daddy is. And I am modeling for them what was never modeled for me. And every moment that I walk in that door and my kids run up and they jump in my arms and they kiss me and I kiss them back, I'm helping them understand that their heavenly father will never leave them or forsake them. He has a plan for their life and his plans for them are good. And for some of you today you are walking around with a bad name. You were called loser. You were called worthless. They said you were lazy. They said you wouldn't amount to anything. You are the divorce that happened. You are the broken family. You are the mistake. You are the affair. You are the bad business deal. And I'm here to tell you today that your heavenly father knows that there is power in his name and because there is power in his name, there can be power in your name. And I I want to invite you today to take back that name that the world tried to put on you. I want you to put it down today in Jesus' name. And I want you to walk out of this place in freedom and in power. And you can only do it today, and I believe this with my heart, with a relationship with Jesus. And he looks at you and he says, I know what it's like to have a heavenly father. I know what it's like to have a dad in a seat of high power, but I know what it's like to be in your worst day and be calling out for daddy. And I modeled that so that you would know there is power in his name, not just to lord over you, but to walk through the fire with you. I love you. I love you. And you've been walking around with those scars on your heart, for too long and you are who he says that you are I think being money is the single greatest thing that could happen to my kids now because there's power in a name there's power in a name and as we close today I want to invite you To accept the name. The Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess either now or at the end of the age. And maybe for some of you, you've been keeping God at arm's length because you don't understand the idea of a covenant heavenly father, but he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. And he is a good, good father. And I would love it if you'd allow me the opportunity to pray for you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message from Pastor Josh Monty. If your life has been impacted by today's message, we would love for you to share your story with us by emailing story at newsound.church. Join us again next week for another inspirational message from Newsound Church.